0: If you appreciate Issues, Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. A bequest allows you to receive an estate tax charitable deduction and reduces the tax burden on your family. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues, Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the word of the Lord endures forever. May God bestow on us his grace. It is a prayer asking God for conversion, conversion of ourselves, of course, and of all the nations as well. And the parable for this coming Sunday, according to the one-year lectionary, the parable of the sower, is about conversion and the power of God's word to affect that conversion. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. live on this Monday afternoon, January the 29th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Will Whedon. Then we'll be talking about scrolling and doom-scrolling with Lisa Cooper. She's authored a recent column for the Christian Research Journal titled A Christian Response to Scrolling and Doom-Scrolling. And Joshua Pauling will join us to discuss Countering Technological Liturgies. Pastor Will Whedon is Assistant Pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. Formerly served as Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's author of the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. and He hosts a daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Todd. So we're going to encounter this parable, the famous parable of the sower, which probably has as many interpretations (laughs) as any parable that Jesus told. And we'll save some of our keep our powder dry for when we get to the gospel reading but it's coupled in this telling today with an explanation of why jesus tells parables and basically says i tell them because i want you to hear it but i don't want others to understand it so why is this parable so perplexing to us well, it shouldn't be perplexing at all because Jesus,
1: it's one of the few parables Jesus gives you the exact explanation for, right? In the gospel reading today, we don't only hear we not only hear the parable. When the disciples go, uh, so what what does that actually mean? Jesus gives them a point by point explanation of this is what it means. And his talking to them in parable certainly it obscures the gospel from those who would hearing his words scoff and not believe that he is the key to the Old Testament scriptures. But once you realize that his parables are there and he, he he's sitting right there in front of you, he's the key. He's the one that will open the whole parable and make it make sense. He's the one that opens every parable because they're all about him. Then things really do begin to change. One of the things that a friend of mine pointed out to me a long time ago is that we have a tendency due to our old Adam to always think it's always about us. <laughs> that every parable should be about us. And the point is, all the parables, they're not about us. They're about Jesus. And once you see that, you go, oh, now this parable begins to shine. Now it begins to make sense. And when Jesus unpacks it, it's very clear that it's all about his actions.
0: We are kind of in the second season of what you had called the last time we talked pre-Lent. Mm-hmm. Sexagesima. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, so that's literally uh, about 60 days is the idea there. I mean, the Septuagesima, the, 70 days. This is very rough. Sexagesima, 60 days. And then we come down to Quinquagesima, uh, 50 days next week. So yeah, this is the little season that I think of as the narthex to Lent. You know, It's, it's, it's to get you into Lent and prepare you to actually make the journey to the cross and to the resurrection. And... I pointed out last time that each of these little Sundays focuses on one of the solas of Lutheranism. So the first week you hear about how you're saved by grace alone. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, and don't begrudge his generosity. And this week is the week of scripture alone, sola scriptura. We're going to hear that throughout the readings. And then finally, as we consider the importance of baptism and how we are saved by Faith alone, as we follow Christ up the road to Jerusalem, that'll be the burden of next time when we do Queen
0: So one thing we probably should explain and not take for granted, and that is why the season of Epiphany that we in the one-year series have kind of left for prelate, why it is like an accordion. It can get shorter <laughs> and it can get longer. And there are a couple seasons that do this. Yes. Why does the length of the epiphany post christmas
1: season change okay the key to getting this is to realize that epiphany is really not a season epiphany is a feast and then after that feast you have these these days that stretch out and these days are really part of what well rome rome uses the term now ordinary time which doesn't mean that it's ordinary compared to extraordinary it means that it's it's a number time in the sense of the first Sunday, the second Sunday, the third Sunday after Epiphany. So those kind of Sundays that don't have a character that were uniquely their own, they run out after Epiphany. And then if, if Epiphany is short... Then after Trinity, same thing, right? First Sunday after Trinity, second Sunday after Trinity, third Sunday after Trinity. It's really not that Trinity is a season. It's that there's just the, the Trinity is a feast. And then after the feast, you just count out the days afterward. So when Epiphany is short, Trinity will be long. And when Epiphany is long, the Trinity season will be short. Those those are just the ordinary days. I started to say the extra Ordinary days, but I'm not saying extraordinary. I mean, there there are extra days that come in at the end of either season, just depending on where Easter falls. This is all Easter's fault, because Easter moves around. And so, depending on where Easter plops itself down on a given year, Epiphany is going to either be shorter or longer. And Trinity will correspondingly be the opposite direction.
0: So, an Easter's key to uh, gen- generally to Passover, but the rule I learned was first Sunday after the first full moon, after the
1: vernal equinox. The vernal
0: equinox, which is the first day of spring.
1: And I think there's one complication. Is that the full moon where you are, or is that the full moon in Jerusalem? <laughs> that can also have an effect on how you're reckoning the
0: days. We, we should just pause here and say this is not really, uh, this is an extremely, extremely old debate in the church, oh, yeah. liturgically, mm-hmm. and that the church actually considered a rift over yeah, the came, date of Easter. Why did they take it so seriously?
1: It, it came so close to actually, uh, you know, resulting in, in schism, But it, it didn't. They finally recognized, no, wait a minute. We should not be dividing between ourselves over the date of Easter. In the West, especially, well, then you have an added factor. Like, what well, people say, well, the Orthodox observe it on a different date. But mostly that has to do with them not following the... The update to the Gregorian calendar from the Julian calendars—I mean, that—that's a factor too. The—the truth of the matter is, though, Christians have observed it on these different days, and it really came to a head early on in England, of all places, where the Irish had sort of the sort of Johannine dating that they used, and as they were coming down in England, you know, the 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 mission from Rome was coming up, so you have this big Council of Whitby where they finally decide, no, we're going to end up doing this. Rome's way. And that, that sort of settled the matter then also for Ireland, that they they began to observe that same day. And that Roman rule is still a, a fairly easy one to follow. You find the vernal equinox, you'll find the first full moon afterward, and the Sunday after that's Easter.
0: The introit for this coming Sunday is... From Psalm 44, several places.
1: Yeah, Psalm 44. And what's interesting to me on this intro is, but let me give it to you as it originally ran. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever, for our soul is bowed down to the dust. Rise up, come to our help. That's the antiphon. And then the Psalm originally was just, "Oh God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, period. That's where it used to stop. And the emphasis then on that psalm verse is we actually have heard the word of God that tells us about the mighty deeds that God does. That's the theme of the day, and it's just heralded forth in that that psalm verse. It goes on though, what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the people, but them you set free. You have saved us from our foes, and you have put to shame those who hate us. In God, we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. It's the great comfort of God's people. We are going to be part of a thanksgiving that does not have an end. It moves right to the Gloria Patri, and then back to the Antiphon again. Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever, for our soul is bowed down to the dust. Rise up! Come to our help, and how he comes to our help is by sending forth his word to do his saving deed in our lives. What is the collect? Well, now this is one of the, I feel I'm getting to feel like a really old grump, is is because every single time I look at this, I get more grumpy about the way that they changed it. So the new collect reads like this: Oh God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully grant that by your power, we may be defended from all adversity. Beautiful, simple collect, right? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the termination's the same there. But the point is, the heart of the collect is this, that God would defend us by his power from all adversity. That is a beautiful prayer. But listen to the way the old collect read. "O God, who seest that we do not put our trust in anything that we do, mercifully grant, That by your power we may be defended against all adversity. Now, I think you've really lost something. You've substituted a positive, the strength of all who put their trust in you, for this powerful negative. You see that we do not put our trust in anything that we do. That is a powerful confession. We are not trusting in our deeds. You see that, God? You know, we can't do that. We, we can't put our trust in our doings. There is nothing stable about them. Our only trust can be in you and your word and your promises. So I hate that we sort of smoothed that over in the new version and kind of lost the, I guess it was because it was in the negative. They didn't like it. We do not put our trust in anything that we do. I think it's a shame.
0: Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, working toward the parable of the sower and the purpose of the parables in the gospel reading from Luke chapter 8. On the other side of the break, we'll get into the readings with Isaiah 55.
2: Here's an easy way for you to help
1: us cast ChristNet on the Internet. Subscribe, rate, and review the
2: Issues, Etc. podcasts with your podcast provider. Type Issues, Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues, Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024
1: subscribe rate and review issues etc today
2: where is god's mission god's mission is everywhere yes it's far away but it's
1: also very near it's as near as your congregation in school your neighborhood your family and
2: friends even as near as your home wherever you are god's mission is in that place through his mission christ is bringing forgiveness life and salvation to people everywhere even here
1: right where you are God's mission here. Learn more at lcms.org nationalmission national mission.
2: Casting Christ's net on the internet. You're listening to Issues Etc.
0: Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable. How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month.
2: Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org.
0: Our relationship with God shapes our relationship with our neighbor. If we turn away from God and reject his gift of forgiveness, we will not forgive our neighbor. We trust our own ways over God's. We will be bitter and angry and resentful and judgmental. Our identity as children of God contradicts what others may say about us. Some may see us as merely evolved beings, but we are still God's creation. We remain God's forgiven children regardless of what others think. That's from the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January, Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. You can browse before you buy at our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040 and ask for Unforgivable, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January. We're looking forward to Sunday morning. According to the one-year lectionary, Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. Well, let's get into the Old Testament reading, which is I think naturally Isaiah 55:10 through 13.
1: Yeah, it's one of the most beautiful readings in Isaiah. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty but shall accomplish that which I purpose and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Oh, such beautiful words. The, the first thing that I think when we hear them is we have a tendency to go right away to, when we think of the word of God in the sense of of scripture or of a promise that God joins to something like the word of the sacraments, which he joins to the sacraments, the word joined to the sacrament, that this is the word that's in view here. And I think that has an application but I don't think it's actually the first reference. I think this is actually closer to John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God. So God sends forth his word. His word is then what creates the creation. And when creation had fallen, God still sends forth his word, sends his word into the flesh of the Virgin Mary. And why does he do this? to give seed to the sower, to give the gospel message to his preachers and to give bread to the eater. He's come to be the bread of life for the world. He's come to be baked in the, in the oven of the cross so that he can give eternal life to those who receive his word. It's just such a beautiful thing. And this word, then it doesn't return to God empty. When Jesus returns to the father, he comes back having succeeded in the thing that God sent him to do offering his life and doing so in such a way that he's able to bring the children of God home. It's always that scene from Isaiah, of Isaiah 8. You know, lo, I and the children God has given me. Here is Jesus as he comes home to the father. Lo, I and the children you have given to me. We follow him home to the father. And this Home to the Father is what he pictures here is, you know, all of nature just bursting all around you with joy. As you go out, you're, you're you're going out in joy and you're being led forth in peace. And all around you, nature is celebrating and praising God as the children of the Father are brought home through the Son.
0: This Old Testament read is going to be pretty important for cracking open that parable that we get to in the gospel reading, Luke
1: 8. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's also in some tension with it, right? I mean, because the thing in this oh, with this promise is that the word of God does what it's set out to do. But it sounds like when Jesus gets to the gospel reading that the word fails three times out of four to do what it's supposed to do. Well, does it really? Isaiah should clue us in right away. Actually, it's not a failure of the word of God that's taking place. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to that.
0: The gradual word. It's uh, Psalm 83, verses 18 and 13.
1: And 18 and 13. And I love the way that in the church's liturgy, they just kind of grab from the Psalm here and there to put it together in a way. Instead, you would think it would be 13 and then 18. No, it's the other way around. Let your enemies know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Oh my God, make them like whirling dust, like chaff before the wind. Your enemies, oh God, chase them away. Thinking especially here of the enemies of his word the enemies that would try to thwart people from hearing and receiving the word of God, our prayer in the gradualist that God would chase them away, would make them like dust or chaff before the wind. And then the uh, alternate is if you do Psalm 84. Psalm 84 is one of the most beautiful psalms in the entire Psalter. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Here's the antiphon that's repeated before and after. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. And then it goes on. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca... They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Such a beautiful psalm. And, of course, this joy in the house of God that rings through this entire piece is a reflection of the joy of God's people in God's word, The, the house of God, is the place where the word of God is being taught. Remember when Jesus was a young boy at 12 years old and he goes to the temple, what's happening there? The teachers are teaching and he's sitting and asking questions and they're learning together and they're amazed at his understanding that the temple was not only the place of sacrifice, it was also the place for the public proclamation of the word of God. And so that's the delight of the psalmist that he has a place where he can go and be at home hearing the word of God.
0: Let's get into the one of the epistle readings that is possible for this coming Sunday, That 2 Corinthians eleven nineteen 19 through twelve nine.
1: Yeah, that's a long reading, and it is the traditional epistle reading for the day. This is St. Paul talking. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. He's being snarky there. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying, At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows, and I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. He heard things that cannot be told, that man cannot utter. On behalf of that man, I'll boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weakness. Though I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being conceited, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, it's a really long reading, and St. Paul starts out really letting his opponents there have it and just making it very clear that he he is in no way a second-ranked apostle, and he shows it by the great sufferings that he's been through for Christ, and how God has still been been using him and blessing him. And no, he he, he also had ecstatic experiences. He knows what it is to see these great visions, but he's like, that's nothing for me to boast about, you know? So, I mean, so I had a big vision, and I don't even know if I was in heaven or not. I don't know. But after he had these great visions, he then writes about this thorn in the flesh. Now, Christians have speculated on this for centuries. What was Paul's thorn in the flesh? I'm curious, do you have... Any preference for any of the answers that show up?
0: The best explanation I have heard of is something with respect to his eyes. Maybe profoundly poor vision or something of that nature. Yeah. But I do not know. Yeah, I
1: mean so, so we sort of that that's putting together what we sort of read from his, his epistles and from Acts, like something happened when he had the vision of Christ that's that you know, he had the scaly stuff on his eyes, it, it goes away. But then he just seems to have this recurrent problem with his eyes and see what large letters I write. So yeah, that's certainly a possibility, an affliction like that. Um I also would not be surprised given what he writes in Romans seven, if St. Paul struggled with the besetting sin that he really wished would just go away and leave him alone. And when when he asked the Lord, please make this go away, the answer he got back was, ah, you know, my grace is enough for you. It's all you need, my grace. I don't need you to be a perfect apostle. I need you to have my grace. And so I think that's a distinct possibility for St. Paul too. And that would be a rather comforting thought for all of us Christians, because there's not a single one of us who doesn't struggle with certain besetting sins.
0: Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary. And when we get back, we're going to look at the alternative epistle reading from Hebrews 4. If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. A bequest allows you to receive an estate tax charitable deduction and reduces the tax burden on your family. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the word of the Lord endures forever.
1: Hello, this is Roy Askins with The Lutheran Witness. You've heard me talk about all the great content we publish in the print magazine of The Lutheran Witness. But I want to share with you that we have even more online. Visit our website, witness.lsms.org, where you'll hear even more content on worship this month in particular from Cantor Phil Magnus. We also have a series on literature right now going on and a series on church art with much more planned in the future. You can get all that for free on witness.lsms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
2: Trinity Lutheran Church in Valonia, Indiana, is a mighty fortress that stands as a bulwark against the attacks of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. We are located in Jackson County, about two miles south of historic Fort Valonia on State Road 135. Join us every Lord's Day for Sunday school and Bible class at 830 and divine service at 930. Come and receive the gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation from God's Valiant One, Jesus Christ, who has conquered death and holds the field forever.
3: The Evangelical Lutheran Church holds that it is God who raises up men to serve His Holy Bride through His Office of the Holy Ministry. At Concordia University, Chicago, we prepare men to take the first step on the path by which God leads them to His pastoral office. Are you ready to take the step? I'm Dr. James Ambrose Lee, Chair of the Division of Theology at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more about the pre-seminary program at CUC by visiting cuchicago.edu, cuchicago.edu.
2: Christological, creedal, confessional. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by
0: becoming an Issues Etc. Congregational Sponsor. Christ Lutheran, Normal, Illinois. First Bethlehem Lutheran, Chicago, Illinois. Hope Lutheran, Sonora, Texas. Lutheran Church of the Ascension, Atlanta, Georgia. Our Redeemer Lutheran, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Redeemer Lutheran, East Inglewood, Florida. St. John Lutheran, Champaign, Illinois. St. Paul Lutheran, Emmitsburg, Iowa. Trinity Lutheran, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And Zion Lutheran, Dexter, Iowa. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click support, donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Well, we have this alternative epistle reading from Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 9.
1: Yeah, and this is chosen, of course, because it actually fits better with the first and the second, or the gospel reading, rather than that epistle that sort of went off on its own way. It's a very fascinating reading listen to this sold in there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's how it starts out in Hebrews four. And I just got to stop there and say, that's, (laughs) that's a very special verse to me because that's on my grandmother's grandmother's tombstone. It's right behind uh, the little church in Richardsville, Virginia. She's buried. She's the only one buried behind the church with a little iron thing around her her grave. And, and it's right there on the, on the grave, you know, she's born in uh, the, what, 1828. And she, uh, I don't know, if did she choose this? Did she choose this passage to be put up there? It's, it's a beautiful promise. There's a rest, people. There's a place where you can rest. There's a rest that remains for the people of God. And then he goes on. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest That's a little bit of cognitive dissonance there. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So you're going to strive to enter into God's rest by ceasing from your own works and resting in the finished work of Christ. How does this happen? Verse 12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This beautiful picture of the word not being inert. You know, like people say, well, that's your interpretation. I think it was Oswald Bayer who beautifully said, no, it's the other way around. You do not interpret the word of God. The word of God interprets you. <laughs> It's the living active thing, and it goes down deep to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It even sorts out that thing which, you know, Jeremiah calls deceitful above all things, the human heart. It goes right down to the depths, and nothing gets hidden from the Word of God, but everything then is, li- is naked and exposed. Remember how Paul said to the Corinthians that if somebody comes into your assembly and there you are all prophesying you know the guy's going to fall down on his face and confess that god is among you because the, the thoughts of his hearts will have been exposed exposed by what by the words of god that you are speaking i think we've all had that experience you go to church and you're like whoa preacher how did you get into my head this week you know what how did you know about my life that's just what the word of god does it goes down deep and it goes all the way down into our heart when we actually are dealing with the living word of god
0: what is the tract?
1: Remember, the tract is this longer psalm thing that falls here. It's drawn out. It's longer than what we normally would have within the single alleluia verse. So from Psalm 60, verses 1 and 2, and then 5. Oh God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry. Oh, restore us. You have made the land to quake. You have torn it open. Repair its breaches, for it totters, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. What's clear there in that beautiful tract is the confession that we can do nothing to fix this situation that we find ourselves in. We are justly deserving the anger and judgment of God upon ourselves. And the only one who can fix this is God himself. And so we beg him to actually repair the breaches of the land as it totters and to deliver your beloved ones And give salvation to us we can't work salvation for ourselves it has to come to us as a gift from you that's the only way we can possibly receive salvation and so we cry to god answer us answer us with the gift of salvation and the gospel reading then will unpack how he gives that gift through his word
0: so let's get into this rather lengthy reading from luke chapter 8.
1: okay when a crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to jesus He said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and it grew up, but it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell in good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed of, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Can we give just a little bit of context for this passage? So, you know, Luke had just had the confrontation in the house of Simeon over the sinful woman who had been forgiven much and so loved much. He had also mentioned that Jesus was accompanied in proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, not just by the disciples, but by women who had been healed of evil spirits, including Mary Magdalene, who all provided for him. This picks up a theme in Luke about the eagerness of the women to hear the words of Jesus. You see it in Martha and Mary and in, in Luke chapter 10. Immediately following the parable of the sower is the parable of a lamp under a jar, then the account of Jesus' mother and brothers, where again, the word of God is paramount. My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. 8 verse 21. So let's sort of work our way through the text if, if we can. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and was trampled Underfoot, And if we put the explanation right with that verse, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Seed and word were already joined together back there in Isaiah 55, if you remember. Luke alone has that the birds are of the air, <laughs> literally of the heavens, That the Lord then identifies the birds with Satan fits with the prince of the power of the air from Ephesians 2. Our wrestling is against spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians 6. Thus, the battle is joined against the devil who has only one objective, to steal the word from those who hear it, lest it bear its fruit and they believe it and be saved. Note that the fruit of the word here is faith and salvation. So I think it's fair to say we're dealing with the gospel in the narrow sense, more on that important point later. Luke 8.6, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture, Jesus explains, 8.13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root, they believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. So this is like Psalm 1 in reverse. There, moisture in abundance and so deep-rooted drinking of it. Here the opposite. The words received and even rejoiced in, but it isn't permitted to sink its roots deep into the heart. When the kairos, the, the, the time of testing comes, these hearers fall away. That is, they let go the word alone, which could have seen them through the time of testing, and would it be going too far to see in the time of testing especially the temptations of the flesh you know, then letting go the word when those come along luke 8 7 and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it the explanation in verse 14 and as for what fell among the thorns they are those who hear but as they go on their way they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Well, we started out with the devil, and then there was sort of our own sinful flesh there. What else should we expect here? But the world and its allurement, the hearts in this case allow the word to be choked or quite literally drowned. Satan fate as when the swine rushed down the hill into the lake. And so be unfruitful. That is not yield salvation. But now this really brings us to a problem, doesn't it? The word we were told always prospers in that for which it was sent. But it seems like the word has failed three times in three different instances. This shows us that what we are dealing with is the gospel word of God, which to remain gospel must be rejectable. It has force and power indeed, but God will not allow its force or power to be anything other than gift. And gifts can be returned to sender unopened and despised, or open and rejoiced in but then forgotten. Such is the way God chooses to bring salvation in Jesus, a word that shares the weakness of the cross, a rejectable, even a despisable word. For this word is the
0: word of the cross, of the man who loved us unto death and through death unto resurrection. Your link to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Will Whedon. Here's an excerpt from Pastor Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal, Inwardly Digesting God's Word. We find a parallel between food and the Word, together with the insistence that man lives only by the Word of the Lord. That makes perfect sense if you remember that the Word is the source of everything created. The Word stands behind the creation, and so is the cause of all food itself. You can read more for yourself absolutely free by subscribing to the online Issues Etc. Journal. Go to our website, IssuesETC.org, click the red subscription button, enter your email address, and we will send you the online Issues Etc. Journal for free. When we come back, more on the parable of the sower with Pastor Will Whedon.
1: This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we journey further in Ruth with pious Boaz, Boaz meets Ruth, Ruth learns Boaz is a redeemer, Naomi's instructions, and Ruth's plea. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at the thewordendoors.org or your favorite podcast provider.
2: Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com. LutherAcademy.com. Grace, Faith, Scripture, and Christ Alone. You're listening to Issues, etc.
3: Memoria Press's award winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy to use, step by step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, Visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization, one student at a time.
2: Confessional Lutherans are invited to rent a four-bedroom, three-bathroom Table Rock lakefront home in the Ozarks. Table Rock Lake is a premier lake in the heart of the Ozarks for boating, water sports, and fishing. This log cabin-style rental sleeps 12 and is 30 minutes from Branson and 20 minutes from Silver Dollar City. Learn more by calling Swanson Estates, 713-855-2681. Be sure to mention Issues Etc., 713-855-2681.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Let's talk a little bit about this gospel reading that you went through briefly before the break on Parable of the Sower. First of all, let's point out that Jesus does, as you said at the beginning of our conversation, explain the elements of this. But there is stuff he leaves unexplained. So I'll come back to the question I had at the very beginning is he talking about different kinds of soil? Is he talking about different kinds of believers? What is he discussing here? It's a great question,
1: and I do want to get to it, but I think we need to finish the parable first. We had sure. to read yes, another verse to go. Yes, yeah, sir. Sorry. sorry. One more verse. Oh, uh, yeah. So Luke 8, 8, And some fell into good soil, and grew, and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the explanation in 8.15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, to your question, clearly, who is he talking about? He is talking about those who hear the word. And the temptation always, when we're reading the scripture, is to assume right away it's always about us. But This is a case where I think it would behoove us to step back and realize Jesus is first and foremost dealing with those who heard him in his own context there. He is sowing the word of the, he's the sower. He's sowing the word of the kingdom there among the Jews. And he's telling us that it received a different kind of welcome from different people. There were those who listened to what Jesus, I mean, they heard Jesus talk, you know, and the words literally went in one ear and out the other. They didn't hold on to it. And that was, Jesus tells us, Satan's engineering, right? Satan works it out in such a way that he can snatch that word before it does the job that he sent it forth to do, which is always to engender faith, which joins you to him. So there were people who listened to Jesus talking and they just, you know, oh, he's that crazy guy from from up in in Galilee and, and uh, he does weird things. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, who has time for this? We got a life to live. So those were the first kind of set of hearers that he was encountering. The second one were those who were really happy when they heard what Jesus said until it started to cost them something, until their life was put in danger by hanging around with Jesus. And then the temptation was to back off and just say, oh, well, it was interesting to hear him for a while, but we're not going to go down that road with him. Jesus is inviting us into suffering and death, and we're not going to go that way with him. So that would be like the second group of hearers. Then the third group, those who were just so occupied with, you know, hey, we're here in this world. And the whole point of being here is to have a good time and make a lot of money and do a lot of fun things and enjoy life. Right. So that's what we're going to do. These are people who heard Jesus. They heard him in the synagogues teaching, but they didn't welcome what he had to say. It had no room in them, It was choked out by all the fun things that they wanted to do and all the distractions and worries about money and life. These were the people that were around him. But now then you get to the fourth category. The fourth category really is the definition of a Christian. This is what makes a Christian a person who actually hears what Jesus says and doesn't let go of what he hears. The word engenders faith in them, and that produces in them this good, clean, honest heart. Remember in, in the, the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 that God gave the Holy Spirit to them, cleansing their hearts by faith. It is faith that cleanses the heart and makes it be this good heart, which can then bring forth good fruit for God. So I think that's the key that this whole thing needs to be heard aimed specifically at Jesus' original audience. I mean, if if I can sort of step back and ask the big question, the big question is, how can a people who devoted themselves to hearing and studying the Old Testament absolutely miss out on what it was all about? And Jesus, to answer that question, I mean, we sort of skipped over those words, but I mean, in the center of the gospel are his words where he cites Isaiah 6, right? Blessed are your eyes, you get to see this stuff. People really wanted to see it and really wanted to hear it and they didn't get to. And the words about that hearing they may not hear and seeing they may not see and believe and turn and be healed and I and that I should heal them. I think the key, the key to that right there is Jesus is like, here I am, God, I'm Yahweh in the flesh sitting here among them. And he alludes to Isaiah 6. Well, what's after Isaiah 6? Isaiah 7 with the Emmanuel, God in the, you know, the the one born of a virgin. And then in Isaiah 8, Loai and the children, God in Isaiah 9, uh, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders. He's going to be called Everlasting Father. All these names are just tumbling out. And and, and 11, that he's going to be, a, a, he's going to be for the Gentiles. He's going to be light for the Gentiles. The the root of Jesse is going to be planted like an incense, calling the Gentiles home to God. All of these things are circling around and Jesus is like, so here I am. You you guys have the key that unlocks the whole Old Testament. All the mysteries of the Old Testament are unlocked right here because I'm sitting here. And you guys have that key. You guys are category number four. That's what he's saying to them. You are category number four. You got the
0: key that actually will open up the scriptures to you. So with a, only about a minute before we need to take a break, he is directing this parable, particularly at his disciples in that immediate context so that they understand How it is so many hear what they have heard and yet either don't believe or fail at length to believe. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, even if they welcome it at the beginning, once they realize that, hey, this will bring suffering to my life, they'll let it go. Yeah. As our boss said just a few minutes ago, it's hard to see how on earth the uh, Reformed can hold on to their teaching that once saved, always saved when you have a very clear word from Jesus here that people believe for a time, but then in suffering, fall away. It is possible to fall away. The whole New Testament presupposes that, and Christ warns against it constantly.
0: Our conversation with Pastor Will Whedon will continue after the break as we look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. Then we'll spend some time with Lisa Cooper discussing scrolling and doom scrolling, and we'll discuss countering technological liturgies with Josh Pollock.
2: Theology for blue-collar, white-collar, and clerical-collar. You're listening to Issues Etc. Repentance and forgiveness, sin and grace, law and gospel. More than cliches, real preaching for real people in need of hearing the real Christ. Christ for
1: You in the Divine Service at St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, Illinois, where we gather every Saturday night at 6 and on the Lord's Day, Sunday mornings at 745 and 10. Look for the Church of the Neon Cross on I-55 between exits 30 and 33. Find us on the web, stpaullutheranchurchhamel.org. St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamel, where there is the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation for the people of God.
3: I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking forward to Sunday morning. According to the one-year lectionary, Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is our guest. So how should we be hearing this parable of the sower? Well, let's go back to the words that are right at the
1: center to answer that question, right? So in Luke 8 and 9 and 10, you have, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries or the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. This very much reminds me of the Augsburg Confession in Article 5, for through the word and sacraments, as through instruments, the Holy Spirit is given, who effects faith where and when, ubi et quando it pleases God in those who hear the gospel. The question is whether or not the phrase should be taken as a whole or whether the second part is a clarification of the first part. In other words, is where and when it pleases God to be understood precisely as in those who hear the gospel. I think a case could be made. The Augsburg Confession goes on to say, that is to say, and those who hear that God, not on account of our own merits, but on account of Christ, justifies those who believe that they are received into grace on account of Christ. This alone is the key that unlocks the parables because this is Jesus. And without this key, it's a matter of seeing and not seeing, hearing and not hearing. This is the mystery of the kingdom that the disciples were given that those outside didn't have. The disciples knew Jesus. The word that is planted is then the gospel word and its abundant fruit is faith in God. The temptation is to make this parable of Jesus into a parable of the law. The word then being God's instructions, and the fruit being our actions of obedience to the same. Rest assured, that is the native hearing it will receive. But this is not the law word. This is the gospel word. It's a word about the forgiveness of sins in Jesus that Satan desperately does not want people to hear and take to heart, a word of forgiveness that our sinful flesh cannot bring itself to trust, a word of forgiveness that the world strives with might and main to shout down so that it will not be heard and believed. But it is a word that when it is heard, when it is held onto by faith, It will bear this abundant fruit. It will cleanse the heart and make it beautiful and good in the eyes of God.
0: With about a minute here, what would you say about the hymn of the day that we heard briefly, May God Bestow on Us His Grace?
1: It's one of Luther's great hymns. It's a paraphrase of uh, Psalm 67. May God bestow on us his grace with blessings rich provide us, and may the blessings of his face to life eternal guide us, that we his saving health may know his gracious will and pleasure, and also to the nation show Christ's riches without measure, and unto God convert them. It's all about being converted to Jesus Christ and about the riches and the great blessings which God has bestowed on all the world through him. And the big prayer at the end is let the people praise thy worth and all good works increasing the land shall plenteous fruit bring forth why thy word is rich in blessing the word does this and so the prayer may god the father son and holy spirit bless us and let all the world praise him alone let Solomon solemn possess us let our hearts now say amen it's a really great hymn.
0: pastor will whedon is assistant pastor at saint paul lutheran church in hamel illinois Formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, he's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily fifteen-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. When we come back, Lisa Cooper will join us. We're going to talk about scrolling and something called doom scrolling. Stay tuned.
1: A blind sinner is carried to baptism, administered by a pastor.
2: Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at nine central, 10 Eastern, eight mountain and seven Pacific at issuesetc.org.
1: That was the epiphany event where our eyes were opened to see the amazing grace of God in the very face of Jesus.
3: Join Lutherans for Life at the For Such a Time as This Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston, Texas. Enjoy the testimony and talents of Dove Award-winning musician and adoptee Mark Schultz. Discover expert information and exciting opportunities, and experience the fellowship and celebration. The 2024 Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston, Find out more and register at lutheransforlife.org conferences.
2: Your daily Lutheran Bible class. You're listening to Issues Etc.
1: Not everyone is comfortable with new technology.
2: Do you dream about having stained glass windows at your church but know they are too expensive to ever get them? Cruesome
0: has the solution. Our window clings are an excellent way to enhance the beauty of your church without breaking that glass ceiling. Visit adcruesome.com and reach out to us to work with you on this project. Cruesome, established in 2014 and still going strong. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com.